So many books, so little time. If you've ever said, I really want to read the Bible, I just can't fit it all in. Welcome Welcome to to the the club. club. This is the Bible Book Club. We'll read it to you and help you make sense of the most important book you'll ever read. The Comedy of Errors continues. For those of you who are Shakespeare fans, and I know some of you Bible Book Club fans are, just like us, but we are going to keep on going in the comedy of errors that is Abraham and all of his descendants. And so I'll just catch you up very quickly. Chapters 25 and 26, last episode, Abraham departed, but his name lives on in the New Testament. And then Ishmael is documented for all time with a genealogy of 12 sons. And remember, Ishmael is the father of the um, Muslim faith. And then in part one, the big switch happens when Esau is despising his birthright and there's a rather, rather large inheritance and he sells it to Jacob for a pot, a pot of, of stew. stew. That hungry boy <laughs> that he is. And so here we are in our comedy of errors and God has a sense of humor as evidenced in the Bible. And, and we're just kind of trekking through this story. So there's not really been any big epiphanies, no big Bible benders recently, but gosh, is this story getting good? All right, so we're going to start the big switch part two, which is chapters 27 and 28. And this is the big switch about who will win at Chosen Twin. The ambitious Jacob and the industrious Rebecca are not content with just stealing the birthright from Esau and are going to seal the deal for Jacob's future by stealing the blessing from Isaac. Now recall that with the birthright, Jacob will become the authority over the clan and receive a double portion of the inheritance. He's already got that. He stole that from Esau. And with the blessing, Jacob will transfer that main line that leads to the birth of Jesus from Esau's family as the firstborn to his own family forever. Jacob is writing himself into the narrative of the promises of God. The scene today is going to expose our chosen family at their very worst. And whose family isn't at times at their very worst. Exactly. Exactly. This is one of those holidays you want to forget. (laughs) Um, They are split into two camps trying to outmaneuver each other. But God works all things for good. And our new patriarch, Jacob, is going to learn a good but painful lesson about deception for the next five chapters. So first, we're going to cover the Isaac and Esau conspiracy. Chapter 27, verse 1. When Isaac was old and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his older son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. And Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your equipment, your quiver and bow, and go out to the open country to hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat so that I may give my blessing to you before I die. All right, let's just analyze Isaac for a second there. First of all, he's engaging in deliberate disobedience. Isaac knew that God wanted Jacob to be the, the tw- chosen twin. God told them that the older would serve the younger before the twins were born, like I said. It is Isaac, the leader of this nation, who sets this whole comical mess in motion. Isaac led his entire family into sin. He turned what should have been a family celebration, the blessing 
blessing would have been a family celebration into a family feud that was never resolved in his lifetime. A well, feud between Esau and Jacob. And it's also interesting that it was food that he oh, sold exactly. his birthright for. And now it's here he is using food, food to deliberately disobey he's God. He's got to have food or he's going to die. Like father, like son. <laughs> exactly. We've exactly. talked about that before. Now, another thing about Isaac here, more than dimming vision. This is dimming vision physically and spiritually. Yes, at about 137 years old, Isaac's eyes are dimming, but that wasn't the reason he went astray. This was an error of the heart, not the eyes. The real problem was that Isaac's faith was dimming. His love for Esau had usurped his love for God. He put what he wanted ahead of what God wanted. Another thing, in my opinion, Isaac was what I call a submarine parent. Submarine parents only surface to see what they want to see in their kids. Isaac liked what he saw on the surface of Esau, his manliness, but he refused to probe deeper and study his heart. Esau's actions clearly revealed that he did not have a heart for God. Esau flippantly disregarded his birthright and impulsively took Hittite wives. He was not fit to be a leader for the Lord. Well, I love that that analogy that you made there. The oh, the submarine, submarine parent, yeah, because you know we hear always how helicopter parent or yep. the lawnmower parent. I've never heard submarine parent, but that's a really hard thing. We all have a little bit of blinders over our eyes when we it do. comes to our own children. It is hard to see them in the light that God sees them in sometimes, even when God, you have to call your kids out. That's a really hard thing. And I know I struggle with that balancing mm-hmm. the realistic view Being of them objective. versus, oh, they can do no wrong. Right, right. Okay, one last thing about this little portion is marriage to Rebecca. This is just not a collaborative union. The fact that he knew he couldn't win what he wanted with her that he purposely chooses to go around her and not tell her what would have been probably a family celebration, you know, the blessing. He excludes her because he knows she wouldn't have let him do this. They both resort to deception rather than transparent accountability for what God has commanded. And that's a really sad place in a marriage when you can't trust each other enough to really uh, live life the way it should be for fear that someone's going to call you out. And so you hide things. It's a slippery slope in a marriage. Yeah. And even though there's good luck Love stories in the Bible, there's also examples of when exactly. marriage goes badly. They started out with a really good love story. Yeah. But again, I have to, I throw it at, at Isaac a lot right here because as the leader, had his faith not been dimming like his vision was, he probably wouldn't have kicked this one off and he and he initiated. All right, Esau, he never repented. Just one, he doesn't say much, he doesn't say anything in this part, but he goes and executes everything his father said. He never repented from selling his birthright. His attitude is the same. He is all in with Isaac's plan and believes more in his father Isaac's ability to make it happen. Even though I'm sure he knew the story too, that it was supposed to be Jacob, that he believes more in his father's ability to make it happen than he believes in God's will to be done. Yeah. And that's why God can't bless him even anyway, because I talk to my kids about this a lot too. True repentance means you turn from your ways. It's not that you never did anything wrong and it's okay. God can still bless you. But when you don't turn from your ways, then you don't repent and God can't go with you. And if he 
had repented about the birthright, he would have stopped his father right here and said, mm-hmm. hey, dad, I, I made a mistake the first time. I'm not going to make a mistake again. God's will is God's will. And if he wants Jacob, he wants Jacob. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to submit to that. And he doesn't. Now, moving on to the Rebecca and Jacob counter conspiracy. Verse five. Now, Rebecca was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, but my brother Esau is a hairy man while I have smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, my son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebecca took the best clothes of Esau, her older son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son, Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with goat skins. Then she handed to her son, Jacob, the tasty food and the bread she had made. All right. All I can say is Jacob had to look ridiculous. Cue God and the heavenly host rolling on the clouds, laughing smiley faces with wings. Oh, yeah. Like, Every- like the, the wolf in, the, in exactly. the story of Hansel and Gretel. Every time I picture what Jacob looked like in my mind, it conjures up images of Mr. Tumnus from The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Yeah. You know, like a fawn, half goat, half mm-hmm. man with skin on. I don't know. I can't imagine. I just... I I don't know how this worked. And because it did, what does that say about Esau? Now I want to know what he really looked like. Like, how hairy was he? Wiry goat hairy? Like, how how can this? Because we're going to (laughs) see. Let's not go there. I know. Let's not go there. Okay. Let's talk about Rebecca. While Jacob had deliberate disobedience, Rebecca has deliberate deception. Like she came up with this scheme faster than I don't know what. She just heard it. Just like Isaac, she knew God wanted Jacob. But just like Esau, she had more faith in her husband's ability to do what he wanted than God's ability to work around Isaac. I don't know why both Esau and Rebecca thought if Isaac actually gave the blessing to Esau, it would work because God said it wouldn't work. So, but they're both, they're both kind of afraid of it. I'm reminded also of Sarah, who also liked to listen in at the tent and overheard the angel say she would have a child. She laughed, but at this point in her life, she did not interfere. She had learned her lesson with Hagar and Ishmael. Rebecca has not learned her lesson and she chooses to interfere here. Yeah, it's really a meddling and it's always kind of, it always struck me as a sad state when you have to try to trick your own husband. Yeah, it's really bad, <laughs> really bad. Okay. However, where Isaac had dimming vision, um, Rebecca actually has very clear vision compared to Isaac. To her credit, she clearly saw God's will and why God had chosen the younger over the older. And she even brings God into the story when she recounts what Isaac said. You know, she said she's telling Jacob what Isaac said. And Isaac had told Esau to bring him some food so he could bless him. When Rebecca recounts the conversation to Jacob, she adds to it. 
saying that Isaac said, bring me some food so that I may bless you in the presence of the Lord, which is not what Isaac said, but she knows God will be present when Isaac attempts to bless and that Isaac is is acting like God can't stop him. She's trying to do the right thing, but she's doing it the right the wrong way. She knows what God wants, but instead of trusting God to interfere, she chooses to interfere. Rebecca was what I call a lawnmower parent. She was much more discerning than the submarine parent, her husband. She sees the correct path in her child's future, but she feels the need to go ahead of her child and make it happen for them. Instead of letting them mow their own way through the weeds, she feels like she has to go ahead of Jacob and make it happen for him. That's a lawnmower parent. And we see that a lot today. You know, kids, parents calling their kids teachers and saying, well, the reason they should have extra time on their tests or the reason they should have this or they can't do this. It's it's overcompensating for the child. And we just know as our children, I know, trust me, I have five adult children, mm-hmm. <laughs> that as they age up, you can't do that anymore when they go apply for a job. You can't call their employer and say, well, you know, you really need to know this, this and about her. And when she says this, blah, blah, blah. No, lawnmower parents end up producing and you know codependent children and Rebecca is kind of interfering where Jacob needs to forge his own way lastly in analyzing her marriage to Isaac Rebecca responds to Isaac's manipulation or actually Isaac's what leaving her out with even more subterfuge she was mirroring Isaac's mistrust of her what could have been a strong mature marriage at this point has fallen into just foolish impulsivity so if I look at this example I'm like this is a cycle that somehow we have to figure out how to break if you find yourself in a marriage and and I mean I've been in a marriage before where you're just trying Trying to one up each other, right? And it's the same marriage that I'm in now, where yeah, we stopped doing that. <laughs> My marriage was and, and and it was counseling that helped us get to that place. Right. So if you are in that place, just take heart. It, things can get better. Get good counselors. But when you're trying to one up each other all the time, mm. it's bad news. It's not going to work. Yeah, because you're working against each other. Yeah, you know? you're working against each other. And regardless of you don't control how your spouse behaves, but you can control how you react to it. And if you stop the one up then you can neutralize the situation and then be able to move forward in a positive direction instead of this comedy of errors that we have here. Yeah. And anytime you have to do something in secret, that is just a bad sign. Bad. Know that. If you have to do something in secret from your spouse, take pause right there. So find some godly counsel who you can confide in who can help walk you through that situation then. Right. All right. So moving on from Rebecca. Verse 18, Jacob went to his father and said, my father, yes, my son, he answered, who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my games so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father Isaac, who touched him and said, the voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him for her hands... His hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he proceeded to bless him. Are you really my son Esau? He asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, my son, bring me some of your game to eat so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and he ate and he brought some wine and he drank. 
Okay, let's talk about Jacob. To his credit, he does seem a little hesitant at first, and he questions his mother about the crazy goat hair plan. And she says, you know, if he finds out and he curses you, the curse will fall upon me. So she kind of, you know, dissuades him. And he agrees. He trusts his mother more than he trusts God and more than he fears his father's wrath if he gets caught. And, and I, you know, at one point, we all as parents have to look at that. Are we so large in our kids' lives that we're dr- drowning out God? You know, is it more about pleasing us or doing what we think is right versus them learning to own their faith and moving out from underneath us to wanting what God wants? There has to be that transfer of, of faith where a child stops thinking, I'm not going to do it because my it'll upset my mom to I'm not going to do it because it upsets God. Wow. That is a really deep thing that you just brought out because that's that's difficult because as a parent, you're in this position and you're you're put here to be able to guide these kids and raise them up. But then at what point do you then make that transition? That is difficult. There's a there's a um, a theory. We learned this when we adopted our we adopted two older children who uh, had, you know, of course, attachment things to work through. And their counselor explained to me, you know, when you're there's stages that you have to go through a child and it starts with I see it. I want it. I take it to I see it. I want it. I take it. But there's going to be a consequence to I see it. I want it. I'm not going to take it because I don't want the consequence to I see it. I want it. I take it because I know it's wrong. And and that's kind of the secular secular view of I see it, I want it, I'm not going to take it because I know it's against God's principles, mm-hmm. and that's self control, and, that, and that's, and that's, that's like spirit. having a true north. If yes, your kids and exactly. you know if they have it or not. Yeah. And so is it that you just kind of watch to to see that true north and then you know that they're ready to go out of the nest, as it were? I think it's a, a tangent between, you know, having boundaries for your children and making sure they know that there's consequences between right and wrong and an explanation, building that moral warehouse of I know why it's right or wrong. I'm just not relying on the because my parents told me so. So that moral warehouse has to have a backing of understanding these are God's principles so that you may live long in the land. The the Bible verses, honor your mother and father. We all know that part. We forget the part that says, so So you you may live long long in the land because if you honor your mother and father, they're going to protect you. And what they tell you is going to be God's principle so that you may live a healthy and full and joyful life. You know, that's a really good point. And I read a book once about parenting the God's way, and it talks about always bringing in scripture to whatever is the situation. And it's been really helpful for me personally as a parent, because as I'm giving the correction, I always give the Bible verse that goes along with it so that maybe I'm pointing them to God instead of me without even knowing Mm -hmm. that I was doing it. And that's why I think I'm really so passionate actually about this podcast. I think there's so much even in these chapters and books that we rarely read that have lend so much to the principles for life. And it's only when you really start to study the character of God and his big plan that it all comes together in your head and and you just become even more enamored of his way, you know, and, and the way to live for him. All right, the last thing that is really clear where Jacob crosses a line is he literally lies four times. He says, I am Esau twice. Okay, small lie. I have done as you told me. No, he didn't. He didn't cook the meal. And then, the biggie, the Lord, your God gave me success. Ouch. Is that blasphemous? His mother gave him success. 
And so he really was going deep in this deception. And for that, that's all on him. And a lie, no matter how large or small, is a lie. All sins are equal. It was deception. Yeah, deceptive. All right. The blessing is deployed. Verse 26. Then his father Isaac said to him, come here, my son, kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of a field that the Lord is blessed. May God give you heaven's dew and earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. Poor sweet Isaac. He is old and he loves this son Esau so much. And you can kind of hear that in this blessing because in one of these statements, he is earnestly trying to change God's will by saying, Mm -hmm. be Lord over your brothers. Like, oh Lord, I know you said before they were born that the younger would serve the older, but please Lord Esau, be Lord over your brothers. It's just not going to happen. And yeah, there's a difference between asking God to do something <laughs> and asking God to change his mind when he's already yeah. told you what to yeah. do. But I give poor Isaac credit. He loves and he he loves Esau and he wants the best for this son. And he's a submarine parent. He only sees the good. And so he just doesn't understand God's plan. All right, here comes the fallout. Verse 30, after Isaac finished blessing him and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. Well, you knew that one was coming. (laughs) He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, my father, please sit up and eat some of my games so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, who are you? I am your son, he answered, your firstborn Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, who was it then that hunted the game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came and I blessed him. And indeed, he will be blessed. All right. So understanding the blessing, it really was a prophetic moment and it wasn't anything you could take back. And it it really almost seems to me in reading the commentaries that it was a very spiritual moment where literally the whole God and and dwells and kind of gives, inspires them what to say. Isaac's reaction to this big switch was not, according to the commentaries, an angry trembling. It was the instantaneous realization of all that had transpired in this one event. First of all, Jacob had betrayed Isaac in attaining the blessing and that hit him. Esau's disappointment in losing the blessing hit him. God's overruling providence in bringing it about through deception hit him. And then what probably most hit Isaac was his very own conviction and terror at what he had done to circumvent God. When you put it like that, it makes me feel so bad for him. I know. It was a bad moment. Isaac never in this anger, in this trembling, blames Jacob because he realized God's hand in the outcome that even though he tried to circumvent God, God had had his way somehow. Okay, moving on. Verse 34. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud, bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me! Bless me too, my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? This is the second time he has taken advantage of me. He took my birthright and now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked, Haven't you reserved 
any blessing for me? Isaac answered Esau, I have made him Lord over you and have made all his relatives his servants and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, do you have only one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. His father Isaac answered him, your dwelling will be away from the earth's richness, away from the dew of heaven above. Esau's people actually ended up living in Edom, which is a mountainous ridge south of the Dead Sea near the desert, and it was very dry. Verse 40, you will live by the sword and you will serve your brother. The Edomites persecuted the Israelites throughout history, but Israel kind of remained dominant over them until much, much later. But when you grow restless, you will throw his yoke off your neck. Esau held a grudge against Jacob because of the blessing his father had given him. He said to himself, the days of mourning for my father are near. Then I will kill my brother Jacob. All right. Esau's reaction to the big switch. I feel bad for Esau. I really do. Esau reacts with self-pity and without any conviction that he was at all responsible. Esau blames Jacob for both the blessing and the birthright, even though he sold the birthright kind of outright. This reaction is so very like Eve blaming the serpent, Adam blaming Eve, and Cain blaming Abel. The enemy knows your weaknesses and he will use it. You can't blame others. And I like him. how you brought that up because whenever he was, when Rebecca was doing the lying, mm-hmm. I was thinking about that, how she put just enough truth in there, just like the devil did when he <laughs> tricked Eve, just enough truth, but then embellish just like the devil did when he tricked Eve mm-hmm. to eat the apple. Mm-hmm. Poor Esau, he just is falls short every time. And 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 I have to say, you know, there are you have children who like excel at everything, and then you have some that just struggle. And Esau's one that struggles for sure. Verse forty-two. When Rebecca was told what her older son Esau had said, she sent for her younger son Jacob and said to him, "Your brother Esau is planning to avenge himself by killing you. Now then, my son, do what I say. Flee at once to my brother Laban at." In Haran, stay with him for a while until your brother's fury subsides. When your brother is no longer angry with you and forgets what you did to him, I'll send word for you to come back here. Why should I lose both of you in one day? Then Rebecca said to Isaac, I'm disgusted with living because of these Hittite women. If Jacob takes a wife from among the women of this land, from Hittite women like these, my life is not worth living. Okay, so Rebecca's consequence for the switch is this. Rebecca must now fear for her beloved son's life. She has to send him away and she will never see him again. Again, rather than enjoying Jacob's company and her grandchildren in her old age, she's left to contend with Esau and his Hittite wives. Remember, they're all living in tents together. It does cause me a lot of concern for their marriage that once again, Rebecca uses the wives as an excuse to send Jacob away. Like she says, oh, these wives, these Hittite wives, I can't stand them. We got to send Jacob away to get a, wa- a wife instead of sitting down with Isaac and discussing the real problem. Come on. 
Isaac, we need to talk. Esau's threatening to kill Jacob. So you need to send Esau away or you need to be like, you know, the dad, king of the mountain and stop the brothers from squabbling. She doesn't. She like makes I said before, excuse. they really need a good therapist. Yeah, they really do. <laughs> I don't know why, you know, one son killing another should be a good reason to go talk to your husband. But instead, she just complains about the wives. But, you know, it's almost like I thought maybe she just loved Jacob more and didn't really care for Esau as much. But I think she loved them both, actually, because when I read that just then, it struck me that she she said, why should I lose both of you in the same day? She really mm-hmm. does love them both. Yes. And oh, I'm sure probably she does. a really conflicted thing for her in her heart to have to yeah. deal with any of this. I think they both loved them both. I think yeah. just at some point, the raising of two different children became a bone of contention between them. Right. And, that's, and one took one side and the other took the other it's side. It's a great point. You can't let kids come between you in your marriage. Right. It causes you your marriage. You have to really be aligned as hard as it is sometimes. And you can disagree sometimes behind closed doors, but you have to be aligned in your marriage about your kids. Yeah. Okay. Well, this is the end of this epic fail, but there is a proverb. Uh, it's number six that says, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person stirs up conflict in the community. Great verse for your kids. Check, check, yeah. check, check, check. Just one short story. Our our, our family has failed on, what, five out of the seven? Esau had haughty eyes or disdain for his birthright. Jacob lied. Rebecca had a heart that devises wicked schemes. Esau and Jacob rushed into evil over their birthright. Rebecca and Isaac over the blessing. And all of them stirred up conflict. So I don't know who wrote that proverb that you just <laughs> read, but they were probably thinking of this story when they yes. did it. Because they're like, yes. let's learn from the mistakes of the past. Exactly. And, and and certainly Esau threatened to shed blood, but he never did it. So that was good. All right. Poor Jacob, who loved to be at home. Remember, Esau was a love to the one who loved to be out in the wilderness and Jacob loved to be at home. But Jacob begins his journey to becoming a patriarch away from home. Chapter 28. So Isaac called for Jacob and blessed him. Then he commanded him, do not marry a Canaanite woman. Go at once to Padan Aran, which, which is, is northwest Mesopotamia, yeah, yeah. to the house of your mother's father, Bethuel. Take a wife for yourself there from among the daughters of Laban, your mother's brother. We've been there before with Rebecca. (laughs) You already knew that he'd get a good wife there. Yeah, exactly. May God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and increase your numbers until you become a community of peoples. May he give you and your descendants the blessing given to Abraham so that you may take possession of the land where you now reside as a foreigner, the land God gave to Abraham. Then Isaac sent Jacob on on his way, and he went to Padanaram to Laban, son of Bethuel, the Aramean, the brother of Rebekah, who was the mother of Jacob and Esau. Okay, same promise, but to our new future leader, Jacob. Sending Jacob must have been really difficult for Isaac and Rebekah because they knew that they would never see him again, but they sent him anyway. Yeah, and, and I, I think also, it is a sweet blessing. I also think it is nice that um, he he finally recognized, he, it's like he came around in yes, this verse. Isaac, he was he like, mean, okay, yes. I accidentally gave the blessing to the one I didn't want, but you know what? This is what God wanted. So now I'm aligned and I'm going to follow God's he said path. Myth. Yeah, yeah. 
verse six. Now Esau learned that Isaac had blessed Jacob and had sent him to Padanaran to take a wife from there, and that when he blessed him, he commanded him, do not marry a Canaanite woman, and that Jacob had obeyed his father and mother and had gone to Padanaram. Esau then realized how displeasing the Canaanite women were to his father Isaac. So he went to Ishmael and married Malath, the sister of Nebaioth and daughter of Ishmael, son of Abraham, in addition to the wives he already had. Okay, poor Esau. I just feel so bad for him. He just doesn't get it. He, he It's like he got the brawn, but not the brain or the heart for God in the twin split. He thinks he can find favor by marrying in the family, but he doesn't choose the right branch of the family. And he doesn't understand that God has chosen Jacob and there's no way around it. He can't change God's will. And you know, I kind of blame his parents on that. I just, did they not explain or share this with him? Because Ishmael was not in the line of the promise. So it wasn't, it wasn't going to be an answer to marry one of Ishmael's daughters. Well, I mean, they're all kind of trying to forge their own way. So maybe he's just still continuing down that path. He's like, yeah. all right, well, that one didn't work. Well, now I'm, I'm going to go try, try this. My yeah. cousin over here. Yeah. Okay. So at this point, Jacob has a dream at Bethel and it's prophetic. Verse 10. Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven, and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land on which you are lying. Your descendants will be like the dust of the earth, and you will spread out to the west and to the east, to the north and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you and will watch over you where Wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave until I have done what I have promised you. I love that verse, and it's actually our graphic this week. If you haven't followed um, us on Instagram, we do do graphics and and uh, video every week. And I that verse, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, is one of my favorite verses. I've said it to my children, especially if they as they go off to college, um, mm-hmm. just to remember that even though your parents aren't there, God is with you and He watches over you. Jacob receives confirmation here from God Himself that He is the. It's one thing to hear from your parents; it's another thing to hear from God or the Holy Spirit that that in this case He is the chosen heir to God's promise. And even though it happened in a messy way, that had to give Jacob a lot of peace. I'm sure he was convicted about what he did, and so to actually hear from God Himself that no, you are it. It's okay. I'm going to be with you. For Jacob, who was a homebody, who was like out on the road for the first time for himself, it was probably very comforting to know that God said, and here's where God knows exactly what we need. I'm going to watch over you. Esau's not going to hurt you. Animals aren't going to hurt you. The family you're going to aren't going to hurt you. I'm going to take care of you. And this is also one of the places in the Bible that I can point to where it makes me know with conviction that God keeps his promises. And so if you have a promise that God has given you, just know that regardless of how sideways things look like they've gone, he keeps his promises. So have 
faith Mm -hmm. because he will bring it back around. Whatever he has to do, whoever has tried to manipulate a situation around and it may look bleak right now, he's going to keep his promise. So stay strong and keep your faith. And if you don't think he has promises for you, he does. Yes, He has promised that if you believe in him, you will have eternal life, period. That's the biggest promise that we get. Okay, carrying on when Jacob awoke. Verse 16. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and poured oil on top of it. He called the place Bethel, though the city used to be called Luz. Then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I'm taking and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I may return safely to my father's household, then the Lord will be my God. And this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all you give me, I will give you a tenth. This is that epiphany that you want your children to have. It's like he has come out from underneath his parents. They can't protect him. And he is trans right here, his faith in his parents' ability to his faith in God's ability to watch over him, take care of him and make him the man he needs to be to lead. So being a submarine parent is not all bad. No, <laughs> it still works out. Yeah. If you release Helicopter them into parents, the world. maybe not so much. Maybe not so much. Well, this ladder was a visible symbol of the real and uninterrupted fellowship between God in heaven and his people on earth. And that's what God gave him a vision of. The angels that he saw were carrying the needs of men um, up to God and bringing down the provision and protection of God to men. And that was just a special vision that God gave Jacob of how this union between heaven and earth works right now. What kind of also reminded me of that stairway to heaven that they built in Babel. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Some also see, interpret this, see Christ as the ladder by which God and man are joined together. And it is through Christ, the way that we receive access into heaven. So he could have been seeing kind of that future prophecy of the line of of the Messiah that was going to come from his line, Jacob's line. Now, there's a verse, John 14, 6, that says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that's what that stairway appeared to him is the way to heaven. All right. Next week, Jacob is going to be on the receiving end of another big switch, and it will be a heart crusher. Poor Jacob. So stay tuned. Consequences are in order. The comedy of errors continues (laughs) what's a club without friends if you're enjoying the bible book club why don't you share it and then you can say welcome Welcome to to the the club Club. new episodes drop every monday and get all episodes now on amazon music as always head over to susanme.com slash bible book club for show notes from today's episode bible book club is hosted by susan merrill and heather rubio edited by Buck Buchanan, produced by Haley Mawatt.